Space friends, welcome to another week of space games. This week, we're touching on some Starfield. And I have got a good friend, podcast regular, star citizen extraordinaire, Lore Stradamus, the Astro Historian. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm 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 tired and it's been it's I've just finished my first week of uh going back to teaching uh school from summer break. So you but guys are already I'm, back I'm in high. school. Yeah, we've been back. I've been back for two weeks. This is the first week with kids that we come back with. So, man, I it's yeah, gosh, I keep getting thrown off by the scheduling and stuff over here. They're there. I think they still got like two weeks of summer left over here. So I did not realize you guys were already getting them back into school. It is a it's an interesting time to be going back to school like that. Right. With everything going on in, in the gaming realm. Yeah, it's it's uh, my my sleep schedule sucks. Um Let's. I, I haven't played Baldur's Gate three like everybody else has because I'm like I could, I would be dead. I just couldn't like I would not sleep. This would the, the problem would that be? Yeah, that uh, game sounds like a time sink. Oh yeah. So. So, are you then? Uh, what, are you playing anything else, or are you really just focusing on getting back to work and and the obvious topic of the day? I mean, I am I am playing the obvious topic of the day, but like. Uh, <laughs> But that's that's a that's a completely different like mm, can't can't talk about it too much. All I just say is that I that I have a review copy of Starfield. So this guy um, is, this guy is uh, playing Starfield and he's going to give us all the goods today. So Bethesda employees, if you're here watching and listening, yeah, so get listen, ready with listen, those emails. L- listen close there, Bethesda Bethesda employees who are watching this right now. Um, I, I know the, I know your secrets. I know Snape kills Dumbledore um, in in the second mission. I know that um, uh, the whole game is is you 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 think you're playing a space game. The first time you get downed, you just um, you you wake up in a cart and you're actually playing Skyrim for the seventeenth time. Um, really? This is just this is just a re-release of Skyrim. You've all been fooled. You get knocked uh, <laughs> out from a spaceship crash and you wake up and you're in the wagon. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you're finally awake. <laughs> no, <laughs> ten years earlier. Oh man. I, I'm I'm excited though for uh for that moment and I mean they like Bethesda's always had that kind of step the into the yes yeah, yeah. step into the universe moment and I'm really excited to see what they do with that when it comes to an actual space game that's uh yeah that's exciting yeah it's it's, so, it's definitely going to be a, 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 a an interesting attempt because this is the first time Bethesda's ever done something like this so. Uh, you know they've done fantasy they've done you know post-apocalyptic but they've never really done the sci-fi setting before so it's been it's, it will be interesting to see how they pull that off yeah i mean this is this is not a a small deal of a game i i made a video about this a few weeks ago and i think this is probably a big part of a lot of people's appreciation for this game we haven't had like a really big space game in a long time from a AAA publisher. We had Outer Worlds a couple years ago or a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, it's a different style of game. This really feels like it is kind of a, a special moment for the genre. Um, do you think all space fans are going to be into a game like this? Yeah. Or is it a specific I mean, type of person? Uh, I mean, based off what we've seen, like it's a Bethesda game. So like, if you like Bethesda games, you'll like it. 
But at the same time, like, yeah, it's I think everyone who is interested in space and science fiction will try it because it's such a big release. They're pushing it so hard that it makes and it, it makes sense to even just attempt to do it. And I like I don't I don't I want to say that I've never seen a space RPG this uh, like like done by a publisher this big since Mass Effect. Yeah, it just it just doesn't it hasn't existed. Like we had um, uh, you know a space game with Squadrons, but that was done by like one of their like n- no offense to to Motive because Motive's a fantastic team, but like uh, they're they're not. Like they had kind of like a B team doing this sort of like side project was what that was, was the uh, EA EA yeah, published the game EA, yeah. EA published game, um, but like I mean I think the closest thing we've had to anything like this is like No Man's Sky, and that was a indie team. I just really do not see AAA space based games anymore. Uh, it's hard. So yeah. As, as Todd Howard po- po- pointed out many times in interviews, it's a hard way that's really difficult to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so for somebody who, I think the biggest thing that turns people off from this game, at least in our um, usual audience, hello, Star Citizen folks. Hi. We, uh, we appreciate you, and we hope 3.20 yes. is coming out soon, really, so we can start talking about it more again. Um, but, but for people who play something like Starfield or an MMO, the biggest turnoff is probably that this is a single player game. Is there any angle for somebody who isn't into single player games who might still be interested in playing this? Uh, it's hard to tell because it is it is a Bethesda single player experience. It is an RPG through and through. That um, they have made no bones about it. I I think that if you enjoy story driven games, you'll like it, which doesn't necessarily mean single player. Um, but if it's if you're somebody who's like, I really want to play with my friends in a spaceship, pew pewing. No, I don't think that's the start. That's not Starfield. But, you know, there's a lot of fans, especially a lot of fans of Star Citizen who are fans of uh, like Wing Commander. So it's like if you enjoyed Wing Commander or Privateer or, or Freelancer, you, you, you owe it to yourself to play Starfield. Because, I mean, from what we've seen, it, uh, that is it, it always gave me like freelancer vibes, you know, the, the, with the cutscenes to land and all that kind of stuff. So, so it really, it, it does hit that kind of same vibe as the, uh, the older single player games from Chris Roberts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's de- there's, it's definitely got some of that, uh, some of that DNA from what we've seen. So I wonder, I wonder, do you know if he's ever mentioned, uh, Todd Howard, if he's ever mentioned that as part of their inf- influence or inspiration because i know he's gone through a couple different games when talking about the creation of this one and their ideas for this started around 19 like late 90s so it's like 98 it's the timing is conspicuous yes it was the the end of the age of space games uh with like uh the x-men x-wing versus tie fighter games the wing commander games the elite series the x series starting around the same like eve is coming around that time home rules around that time um, yeah, it was, it was, it was all of the rage at the time. And, uh, th- it's not surprising that Todd Howard was very into that. So, um, I, I, my, my theory is that, cause I don't think Todd is that old or that young, much younger than Chris Roberts. Cause people forget that like, Chris Roberts was making games when he was 15. So like the nineties, he was, I think in his early twenties. 
when he was making Commander in the like ninety to to two thousand. So he was like between twenty and thirty years old uh, around that time, and that that sounds about right for what Todd's age was. Around they are months, so. two years difference. Yeah, two years. Todd, different. Todd's two two years younger, so they are cut from the same cloth, honestly. And mm-hmm. and as game directors, even you know the way they talk about their games, it, it, there's some similarity there. Yeah, and and uh, like they're obviously from that generation. I think it's that generation of game developers who are fascinated with space because they grew up in the space shuttle and and a lot of other you know Star Wars was big and that kind of things. So yeah, Q Q uh, uh, cliche generation jokes, Gen X stuff. Yeah, and and hate yada yada. <laughs> you don't know but, us kids anymore these days. I can't even uh, say that anymore. <laughs> you're an old man like me now oh uh, man i get hiccups <laughs> dude so much and i'm like is this is this my old person perk like did i unlock something new where i just if i if i get startled i have hiccups for the next two hours listen that's the best perk i my my perk is i can like absolutely destroy my body doing like exercise or or like moving things around and then i i get up and i move to, to like twist my body to the left just a little bit and my back is thrown out for a week yeah you gotta you <laughs> no gotta reason. be wary of those rogue sneezes that <laughs> yeah. take you out of the game for a couple of days <laughs> for no reason yeah um, um but yeah to, to answer the question I, I i don't know if pod specifically said that that chris roberts's games were were a uh were a inspiration but i would it, it is like written all over the you know the presentations for Starfield and a lot of the the correspondence and the the um, the interviews that Todd's done over the years about his the space game, which yeah. is as the, the Bethesda's called it, because yeah, it, it has been kicking around the offices at Bethesda for twenty something years now, almost and and the, years now. The art is there to really like sell that space. I don't want to say Odyssey, but like that space curiosity exploration like the mm-hmm. gosh they have this chair that came out and it, before we get into the marketing actually yeah, i do want to ask have you been have you been playing uh star citizen you've been doing much star citizen stuff lately no i mean a lot of it's just life has been happening to me um but i did play a little bit of star citizen i think two weeks ago um so it's been it's been fine like star citizen is good right now it's better than it's been in the past um terms of performance rate uh, there's le- less random crashes and 30ks and such but you know they are uh we're in the middle of a pre-citizen con drought for those who maybe don't follow star citizen too closely there are there's a cycle for star citizen for sure both around patches and also just an annual cycle based on their own events and we've got a pretty big news drop coming up in october um I think we're, we're both going to be there, right? You're going to be there as well. I, I, my plan was to be there, but I don't think, unfortunately, because I bought a ticket, and unfortunately, I don't think I have the money in, uh, right now to be able to go. So I, I right now, it is no. So it still could happen because it's, you know, it's L.A. It's not like it's the other side of the planet. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit easier for me to actually go if I needed to. But right now, it's still a no. We've been kind of in the same boat. Like, we have full plans to go, um, but things are back and forth especially with like how star citizen has been doing this summer and youtube performance and stuff it is it is touch and go really trying to figure out whether or not we'll be able to afford it so i'm i'm planning on going i hope you'll i'll see you there but 
that's going to be a pretty big news drop. And right mm-hmm. now, things have quieted down in anticipation of that. Like you said, though, the game uh, performs fairly well. I th- <laughs> Me and my wife were playing the other day, and for for whatever reason, we have terrible, terrible desync problems. Her computer's right here next to me. And when we're playing on that same internet, terrible desync problems. And it kind of highlights one of those difficulties that comes with trying to make this into a multiplayer game as opposed to something like uh, Starfield being a single-player experience. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's one of the advantages of a game like Starfield coming out and being single-player is that they don't have to worry about all that netcode stuff. So they don't. They, it becomes a lot easier for like them to cheat uh, on certain things or to make it like really look good and, and react well. Right. Um, so for those of you who are, well, are Star Citizen fans, um, like a lot of people like to compare Starfield to Squadron 42. Right. Um, though it's not a, I don't think it's a fair comparison because Starfield's a space RPG and Squadron 42 is a space action game, you know, so that they're kind of built differently. That's built yeah. different. Um, but at the same time, like the, the, you, you'll be able to see in Squadron 42, like a lot of the, like they don't have to worry about server meshing and PS and, a lot of the details and like the, the, the connection speed and th- there won't be a 30 K in Squadron 42. Cause it just doesn't, that's just works. So you'll see it like probably. Okay. We've seen the previews. It'll be better performance and stuff like that too. So th- that's something you'll see the advantage that Starfield has is that it doesn't have to worry about that. You just gave me a really good idea for an Easter egg in Squadron 42 where they, they have to have a point where like a very com- important computer or spaceship or some kind of malfunction that changes the story happens and the error code that pops up is the 30K. It's 30K. It has, <laughs> they have to do that. Like there's, yes. you can't miss yes. out on that opportunity. I hope they do. I hope they sneak that in somewhere. It's got to be somewhere. It's got to be somewhere in some derelict ship somewhere. So. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to the topic at hand because we've got about two weeks less than two weeks yeah about two weeks until the launch of starfield i don't know about you man i've been waiting for this i think the first time i heard about starfield was maybe 2018 or something like that 2017 and there it was just it was kind of like how cyberpunk was a lot of speculation uh the the random fan art the uh obsessive obsessive talks about the little bits of details that have come out and then they released kind of the the big reveal i think it was in 2019 possibly Mm. gosh i don't even remember the timeline anymore but but they've been building this very slowly um over the last several years and there were delays as they probably should have been with the bethesda game um and with the acquisition from microsoft there has just been a lot of anticipation built around this game how do you feel like they've handled the marketing leading up to this and overall how do you feel like do you feel like the community response is is good like from what i'm seeing it's pretty huge we see marketing deals from all these different companies um we're seeing tons of buzz about it now do you think they've done the game justice i think they've done what they can with what they have this this like i'm what i'm seeing in terms of advertisements for 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 starfield isn't the typical this is the best game ever made kind of kind of advertising they're really trying to advertise and hype up the experience like explore new worlds you know like lose yourself in this environment 
And I think that they're hitting that sweet spot of what they've been doing. And they've been going out of their way to be like, this is the most bug-free experience they've ever tried to do. They've had like all of the QA testers they could in Microsoft games to like, you know, Xbox to just to just test the heck out of it to make sure it's really good. They delayed it to make it even better, uh, to really kind of tone like tighten up the screws and everything. So it's it feels like they're doing the right thing. I don't know if it's going to be the best, biggest space game ever, but I do know that based off of what they've been talking about and how they've been marketing it, I feel like we're, we're getting a, we're, it's going to be a solid uh, experience that might drive, it might kind of go up. The one thing, and this is going to sound weird because we, we mostly spoke about, talk about space games, but we mentioned Baldur's Gate earlier. Baldur's Gate is kind of on fire. It is kind of the pinnacle of what people want in, a, in an RPG these days. And everyone has been losing their mind about it. Seriously, so yeah. It's, it's going to get compared to Baldur's Gate. And I feel like it's probably going to come up lacking based off of what Starfield's trying to be. And what, you know, it's not trying to be what Baldur's Gate is. It's just two different kinds of experiences. But I think you're just, like the the hype is going to be different. I think you're going to see a different type of crowd hype it. I think it's going to be a little bit more subtle. I guess you could say so. It's going to be like a build up to it rather than this kind of explosion. Because Starfield doesn't uh, doesn't seem to be a new experience. It seems to be uh, what Bethesda does really well, and just that next kind of polish and evolution of their their formula. Yeah. So it's not like the next thing in RPGs. It's just Bethesda's latest game. And I think so. you're, you're, you're spot on with that. Like the messaging really, I, I just actually started watching that deep dive again yesterday. And he, Todd Howard kind of opens up to be like, okay, so we've created these experiences before. You love what we've done before. Skyrim, Fallout 3, uh, um, all these different worlds that we've created. My, my personal favorite is Oblivion. I haven't really played all of their games, but I really loved Oblivion. That's what got me into RPGs. Um, actually, no, it's not. Knights of the Old Republic did. But yeah. Oblivion was there. It was up there. Um, but, but he says all that, and then he goes to say, and now we're bringing that to multiple planets. Like, they really do kind of avoid this idea of like, oh, we're revolutionizing the game. We're, we're changing RPGs. They don't even come out and say this is, this is the definitive RPG experience. Um, do you think that's going to hurt it in the long run? Like, are people looking for something innovative? Or do you think it's just kind of, we want a good space game? I think it's two different audiences. I think the audience that we talk with a lot are the star citizen kind of players, the people who, who play and enjoy Eve or No Man's Sky or um, uh, Elite. I think for those players, Starfield is really going to drive, is, is going to be what they want in a game, something that's new and different, the same kind of field, AAA title, all, all that sort of thing. And I think fans of Bethesda games will like it. It's made by Bethesda and like I it's hard even I think the only game that Bethesda's re released recently that just kind of fell on its face was 76, which is why so many people have uh, a very negative approach, negative feeling about um 
about Bethesda right now in terms of like a lot of doubts about Starfield. Yeah. Uh, but this isn't 76. This is a single player game made by Bethesda Game Studios. I, I think you'll see similar levels of interest and, and, and like, like buy-in as like Fallout 4. And there and, you know, Sky, not maybe not Skyrim, but I don't think like I don't remember Skyrim when it released being this huge blockbuster hit. I remember it being a good game that Bethesda fans really wanted to play. And then because it did well, it kind of leaped into the popular conscience because more people like, oh, this game, this game just came out. I'm interested in this. Other other people talking about it. I think that's really what we're going to see is that gate three is like hitting all of the right sweet spots for yeah. its audience and for like an RPG audience. Cause it it's Dungeons and Dragons, the video game. So anyone who plays Dungeons and Dragons are going to go nerd over it. And they, they knew exactly who their audience was and they played exactly to their strengths and it is doing well. And, and I think that's the same thing we're going to see with Starfield, but it's going to be more of a, a slow build rather than that immediate punch and then kind of dissipate. Um, just, that, and that's probably the reason why they're doing this this early launch on September 1st. And then the actual launch, I think it's like September 6th or September 9th. Yeah, so. something like that. Yeah. So do you think that because of the different environment we're in, in the gaming industry now that uh, it's impossible for a game to kind of do what Skyrim did? Because Skyrim came out, I, I don't know exactly what was going on at the time Skyrim came out, but like you said, it wasn't like it was a huge, super anticipated title. It was a sequel to Oblivion, which mm-hmm. was like, the I think it was the first Bethesda RPG on consoles, so it definitely opened up a new audience, but it like I don't think anybody expected it to be a 10-year most referenced RPG game uh, almost ever kind of hit. Do you think that's still possible with a game like Starfield in this environment? It's hard to tell Uh, because like, you know, I haven't played Starfield. Like I haven't played, played Starfield. So it's going to say liar. liar. (laughs) NDA. Um, uh, But but, uh, (laughs) I mean, legitimately, like just like any 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 Bethesda fan knows, the game doesn't start until Bethesda lets you play it. You know, like. You know, the, the t- like every Bethesda game is built in a very similar formula. Uh, Morrowind, you wake up in a prison ship, you get let out of the prison ship, you walk around the starter area a little bit, you go to another location and you kind of move on from there. At that, that, that point, you kind of open up to the world and go around. Oblivion, you wake up in prison, you follow the, um, the, um, the emperor out, the, the emperor gets assassinated, you get out of the, like, the starter area and then you get let out into the world. Like that, that moment of the Bethesda formula when you just are released, you're just like, go. That's when the game actually begins, when most people want to kind of start to play the game. Um, and we just like, I, I, unless someone's been no lifing it <laughs> since, since they came, since for their review copy since it came out, I don't know if how many people have actually reached that point yet. So uh, when when people it's like like i think when the app uh, the, the 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 public gets to that point that's when we'll see if starfield does has the skyrim effect where right. people just are like referencing funny lines or uh, iconic moments or or that that's right thing, so. i forgot about the arrow to the knee that was a yeah. that was that's in some carrying force that was a good one yes. whoever wrote I mean, that I mean, line <laughs> 
Well, Skyrim is a great example because I think the Skyrim effect, in my my opinion, is that every single Western RPG after Skyrim was released was trying to be Skyrim. Even today, if you look at a like a like a first person to third person RPG made in the West, set in a fantasy setting, it is always chasing Skyrim. They always avowed. have like from yeah, Obsidian is, base, is basically Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> it's because if you uh, the vowed, I believe is a this is like the second or third of that series. Is it? And the first, yes, the first oh, okay. game. I think the first couple of games of that were third, like 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 um, isometric games. They weren't. It's set in a similar world. I can't remember which one it is. It what what's world it's set in? But it's set in a world where the the they had. Is it like? You know, now I that you mentioned it, I do remember them saying something about it. it's set in the same world yeah. as as other games, which isn't. I think that's really cool. I hope that more games and more IPs start doing that because you get it's nice to get a different angle or a different story on something. Um, I think that's what people like so much about getting to play a game like a Lord of the Rings game or a Star Wars game or a Star Trek game is like you're in that same space, but you get to see it from a different perspective. Yeah, I'm looking it up real quickly to see if I can I can find it. Um, yeah, because I, I like I like a lot of those 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 attempts. Like I think even Bethesda did it with Fallout. Fallout One and Two were isometric games, and then Fallout Three is their third person first person experience, and it kind of changes everything. Right. Pillars of Eternity. This is the that's right. That, yes. That's what it's avowed is the latest installment of Pillars of Eternity. Uh, and I know people who love that game, but yeah. aren't into first person RPGs. So it will be interesting to see how that kind of that that transfers over but yeah getting back into talking about sort of fantasy games and Baldur's gate um specifically i think a lot of people and there's a lot of debate about this too have different definitions of what an rpg is Baldur's gate comes out and it's like dnd put into a video game i don't think you could get any more rpg than that what would you say are like the defining aspects of an rpg game because that's really how i want to look at starfield is is how well do they hit that idea of being an rpg in space as opposed to um you know just an action adventure game or like yeah. a lot of the people listening to this an mmo in space uh, i think an rpg i mean everyone who t who t talks about rpgs will say that role playing is the most important part of it because it's literally in the name where you can become play a role or play a, a character through this story. But I think modern RPGs are more defined less by the role-playing aspect and more by the world that they're in. So if you play an RPG today and you bounce into invisible walls, instantly people are going to have problems with it. If you have a tiny little play space, um, and or like you, it's made to look bigger than it is, but it's actually not really that big. I think people will have problems with that. If you start seeing repeated lines or repeated textures or repeat, like a lot of those, it's, it's the the how much time and energy did the team actually produce to, to do to make the game um, that really kind of sets it off. Because I think this, speaking of like Baldur's Gate. There are so many different uh, moments where, you know, things happen in the background where characters are doing things and who you're talking with and how you how you dress like that. That was the thing I saw was like how you dress if you're just naked 
like characters will talk to you differently depending on if you're naked or dressed or what you're wearing or who you have in your party and that's, all those uh, sorts of things. <laughs> it's that's funny because that's actually one of those things that you see people complain about with with Star Citizen whenever they talk about things like your hygiene or how you dress mm. affecting the way that people react to you. People are like we don't we don't need that in in games. That's too detailed and that is one of those kinds of things that people look for in terms of like your scale of experience in an RPG. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's really what, what, what we'll be telling is if going to Aquila city feels fundamentally different from going to neon and from going to uh, new Atlantis, uh, from going to, you know, if I find random research outposts in the middle of nowhere, um, and if it looks almost identical to random research outpost in, uh, you know, you know, four systems over with just different stickers attached to it, I think people will go, ah, you know, that'll kind of uh, turn them off. Yeah. And and uh, the thing is, is that Bethesda doesn't really do that. I don't think really they do a lot of those repeated textures. Every so often they do like the radiant quests are the problems. The another settlement needs your help problem. But I think like that's really what people are going to look at Starfield and judge it on as an RPG is how much how much of the world feels like it's been attempted. It's like it's been done intentionally. Yeah. How much does your can your experience change compared to somebody else? Um, yeah. And compared to to different areas, it's it is a big deal and it's really noticeable. And like you said, it it sort of goes back to how much time did they spend on the game, which I think is the hard part. Cause like you were kind of describing RPGs, they're basically at this point, they've become the most, for lack of a better word, bloated games um, in, in the gaming space. We have games like Assassin's Creed. I mean, really Ubisoft RPGs in general, which is what worries me about the star Wars mm -hmm. RPG coming up, but it's, it's all about, creating a sense of scale, putting in a lot of time. And that kind of flies in the face of what drives games forward these days, which are investors, shareholders, and corporate powers trying to get the most money out of their game. So then you come to the, the, the question of, well, how are they going to make their money back if they're spending six to 10 years working on this super in-depth um, world? And then they release the game and there's no other monetization method besides just people buying the game, which we all know won't be the case. But yeah. that's kind of the, the problem with RPGs. Do you think that a game like Baldur's Gate, which is being renowned for not having a lot of other monetization methods, is going to be something that companies still look to try and replicate, given it might not make as much money as something like another, another game? Um... I think so, but I think the problem is, and I think this is something that Bethesda does very well, is, uh, well, they do, they do pretty good. I don't think they do very well. Microsoft does it very well, because you and I are both Halo fans, so we know what I'm about to say is true, which is um, the way you really, the way I think games like Baldur's Gate or Starfield or um, Avowed or any of the other sort of RPGs that are coming out these days, it, the way that they really make back their money is franchising, not franchising, uh, merchandising and, and IP, like really breaking out that universe to be more than just a video game. 
And, you know, Halo is infamous for this because, you know, Halo came out, it had three novels written for it within the first couple of years. Um, you know, it's got comic books, you have um, uh, full blown like side stories. It's got an in-depth lore that's, that's super deep. And like at this point, I don't even know how many Halo books there are. I'm sure there's like 30. There are so many by- now by like four or five different authors. So, and about various different aspects of, of, of the universe. Um, uh, you know, there's the, the TV series that was released. So, so I think like if an RPGs are super expensive to make and hard to, to make, what you really need to do is invest in the universe you're creating. And that becomes, it becomes a lot easier to sell that sort of idea to, to people. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, Starfield get the similar experience because even the Elder Scrolls has novels that are written about the you know different time periods in the in, in the lore and stuff like that. There's an entire novel series, I think it's tr- a trilogy, that takes place between the end of Oblivion and the beginning of Skyrim. So Starfield getting books would not surprise me. Starfield getting spin-off games or plushies or uh, little robotic, you know, um, Vascos, little little mini your personal Vascos, the little r- robot walking around, yeah. you know, for like like a toy. People love those sorts of things. I think that's really where, um, if you're trying to invest in uh, something that can't be monetized through the through the nose, is where you kind of make a lot of that. It's not as immediately ma- money making, but I think it makes more money over time and it gives you that capital of controlling, like. Harry gives the Harry Potter, the Star Wars, the, the, the that sort of thing. Like Harry Potter and Star Wars didn't have DLC <laughs> as movies. They had to rely on their universe pulling their their you know their their people to come back and buy merchandise and buy other things like that. And I think video games don't do that as much. And I think if again, like I said, that's probably where where you'd be you'd find a lot of that money making opportunities for for for, for uh, video games. But that's a good point. It's also risky. They're they're learning. I think yeah. um, we've seen like video games are an art form, just like movies, music, TV shows, and they're they're really starting to figure that out for themselves. I think we're still dealing with a lot with like the that weird money hungry phase where they don't know how to make that money and they don't quite maybe or they don't have a lot of trust in the process that you're talking about but we see it with things like arcane from league of legends the mario movie this year probably validated a lot of people in the industry to like we wanted to make a zelda movie let us make one like Mm -hmm. that i i could see starfield having uh its own animated show i mean they released those videos that um, animated yeah yeah uh, people seem to like and i mean there's last of us has a show now fallout has a show being created like they're starting to get into that so i it's a good point like when they come out with this starfield ip which they've spent years on years building and tons of marketing in uh, they've been putting into and now microsoft owns bethesda so you know they want a huge return on it it's not they're not releasing this as kind of like a, a quick, oh yeah, here's a here's a new game, go play it. Have unfortunately something like Halo Infinite actually feels more like that. Hey, mm-hmm. here's our newest game, it's a quick sequel, go make it, go play it, play some multiplayer, spend some money, we'll have something for you in a few years. Starfield feels like they want to say, This is the first game 
But look out for everything that comes after this. And that, I think, is the most exciting part of it. I love to see a new sci-fi IP really uh, starting off on the right foot like that. And yeah. so, so speaking about sort of setting up that world, that universe, um, let's dive into lore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The good stuff. Yes. I'm, my, my favorite stuff. Uh, so... Well, let's talk. What do, you, what do you want to talk about? Like, I can, I could go. I could just well, go. <laughs> it starts off. It's kind of like an alternative timeline, right? It, it's it's mm -hmm. very much. Um, they try to keep it pretty realistic. It seems in the way we developed, and and all that kind of stuff. Tell us about how the Starfield lore starts off from as early as we know. Okay, so the timeline begins officially in 2050. And 2050 is when humans first reach Mars. Uh, and by the time, by, the, by 2100, humans are living in the solar system. Uh, we've, kind of, we've kind of expanded out into the solar system. And between uh, 2100 and 2150-ish, you know, uh, humanity starts to develop what we know today in the Starfield universe uh, as the Graviton Loop Array which is, uh, or is graviton, or is it gravi gravi gravitation? It's, uh, I, I, I call it the grav drive, because, or the gravity drive, and people are like, Paul, this, this <laughs> not, it's like, ah, fine, I screwed up on it, but it's, it's, it's always meant, meant mentioned that. It's a graviton, a graviton loop array, yeah. Um, it may also be called the graviton loop field array, but this is effectively a warp drive, a faster than light warp drive that allows okay. you to kind of go beyond, beyond that. And uh, this drive was likely built around that time period because we don't have a definitive time, but we do know that humans first arrived in Alpha Centauri in 2156. And Alpha Centauri is the closest solar system to, to Earth, like in real life. Yeah. It's like four point, like six or 4.9 light years away. So it's the closest we could get to um and this kicks off this explodes humanity's expansion into space because within three years uh the first unified government of humanity uh, called the united colonies is founded and with a year after that new atlantis is founded in um in alpha centauri um, and by 2961, or 21, 29, I'm sorry, Starfield, Star Citizen, Starfield, Star <laughs> together. Uh, 2161, with a year after it was founded, it becomes the capital of the, of the, um, the United Colonies. So, um, real quick, the United Colonies, it sounds like it's a separate government from Earth. Is Earth involved with that, Earth and Mars? We, or? we don't know. Uh, we do know that currently in, I think it's 2330 is where we're at. Um. Yeah, twenty three thirty. Uh, that um the Mars that Mars is part of the United Colonies. Um, because there's a, uh, I want to say, Sidonia is the is the town. The cities of Sidonia is in um. Uh, is part of the United Colonies. Okay. Uh, but we don't know what's happened to Earth. There's been no official kind of like discussion on what happened to Earth. There's some people have seen pictures of what they think is the uh, St. Louis Arch uh, remnants uh, and stuff like that. So, but it's it's pretty obvious that something happened to Earth. We don't know what, but something has happened. Sounds like a good quest. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but to, to, to kind of put this into context, the United Colonies is founded in 2159, and the other major faction is born within 17 years. So, like, humanity goes from having the, you know, from getting to South Centauri, South Centauri in 2056 to having multiple major factions being founded in space across this, like, 50 light year bubble of human space in decades. It's, it's just super fast. Classic um, humanity. Yeah. So, so, so the, the Graviton Loop Array seems to have just absolutely sped humanity, becomes... It's, for some reason, it seems like it, people, it becomes easy for people to build it, and so people just press out into the, into the black and just go everywhere in space. Um, because in 2167, um, the system of Cheyenne is discovered and is settled by a man by the name of Solomon Coe, who becomes the founding father of what will become known as the Free Star Collective. Um, and... Uh, this sort of becomes the first kind of rival to the United Colonies uh, when um, Solomon Coe reaches out to the Xenofresh Corporation, or probably the Xenofresh Corporation, um, in 2188, who had a kind of a, a fish platform on um, this, the, the, their system of on the planet of Voli and the system of Voli, uh, which they were building, they're just going to harvest fish to sell, and then they found out that these fish have psychotropic qualities. Fun fish. So, so they, they turned them into drugs. Yeah, um, <laughs> classic humanity! Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, this is just my theory that I think that likely what happened was that they realized there was profit in it, and the UC didn't want to have, you know, a private corporation that could be uh, a drug smuggling or dr like a drug um, pushing situation. So they were putting a lot of pressure on them to not do that. Uh, but the Xenofresh Corporation was like, but money. So when Solomon Co. kind of reaches out and kind of goes, hey, what when we work together on this one? We can we can all make money together. Um, they were like, yeah, let's do this. And that's that, that's the formation of the Freestar Collective. So that that's actually a, a location in game, right? Neon. Yes, Neon is 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 the is the the, the platform that this was formed. You can go there in game. Uh, you know, it's it's a huge uh, like they they bring it up as one of the major locations for the game in right. um, in the Starfield Direct. So so then that's a significant part of the schism in humanity. Then that that oh, yeah. that planet. That, yeah, uh, Voli is a huge schism, but it's not as big as Narian, which is uh, uh, another huge part. In 2194, uh, by this point, it seems like humanity has spread out across the stars into all of these different little systems. Not, of course, not all of these systems are explored or known, but they're definitely, they definitely exist with people living on them. And in 2194, Narian uh, was a small colony who was inhabited by, you know, people who'd been living there. And the United Colonies brings in a station called the Clinic, which they just place in, um, in around uh, the planet of uh, Dipala in Narian. And the Narian, the people of Narian are independent. They didn't, they haven't sworn allegiance to the UC. 
So they they petition the UC, say, hey, you're pushing in on our territory, get out. And the UC says, no. Oh boy. So, so Narian turns to the Freestar Collective for help and joins the Freestar Collective. And in 2195, um, a year after um, this, this situation happens, the Freestar Collective sends its fleets into Narian. And a year later after that, the UC sends its fleets into Narian, and we have the Narian War, which happens. It's the first interstellar warfare for humanity that again, breaks out. And it, again, classic humanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, this, and this is a serious war. It, it takes place, uh, I'm looking, trying to do the calculations, but it takes place between 2196 and 2216. It's like 20 wow. years of war between these two, these two factions. Um, my only guess is that maybe this is early settlement. So like the travel times may be different and the, you know, resources are scarce. So it's like the, the fights may, you know, take a year to get in like fleets into position to fight yeah. each other or that kind of thing. So it could be that, or it could have just been 20 years of people butchering each other. Who knows? This is humanity. Uh, <laughs> so the, the Starfield universe at this point, we're talking, you know, the 23rd century, even 23rd century is starting to coalesce around these two major factions, the Free Star Collective and the United Colonies. The United Colonies kind of representing the old values of Earth, of, of humanity, law and order and peace, whereas uh, the Free Star Collective is more of a libertarian kind of Wild West style um, collective. It's more of a, I would say it's more like a, like a confederacy where like the, each individual planet has a lot of autonomy. So there's and not it, a lot of centralized power. Yeah. So. And it, it really, you know, sounds like the tried and true conflict of this, this, like you said, this central power is overreaching and mm -hmm. we want to just kind of be our own place here. That's self-sufficient. Well, we've got this sort of, I won't say anarchist group. It doesn't sound like, but this kind of like a uh, separated group that wants to make sure that the central power has their hand, doesn't have their hands in this. So we'll go to them and, and see if they can help us. And the UC doesn't like that. It's such a, it's such a classic story. And honestly, it's interesting because it's kind of a question that I find myself wondering about when it comes to what we're doing right now in space, you know, as soon as mm -hmm. we actually start being able to go to Mars, whenever, whatever decade that is, um, who ends up having authority, you know, like, yeah. are we splitting this authority to the companies that are sending the rockets there? Are we giving it to the countries that own the companies that are sending the rockets? They don't own the companies. The companies are, yeah. you know, how, how close, like in the U S you have companies that wouldn't want to be associated with the government in China. You have companies that have to be are, associated with the government they're owned by it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so like it, it is a very interesting setup. And I'm glad that we have a game that's actually going to bring that into the kind of thought process of, of space exploration. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we've had that. I mean, I haven't played yeah. every space game, but this is a, it, it's a big game. This is going to bring that sort of conversation to a lot of new people. Yeah. And, and I actually did some, 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 some searching. All of these systems that are mentioned in the timeline are in the game. You can go to these planets. You can go to these worlds. You can see like, like, like there, there's one of the clips of, um, of the Starfield Direct, there's a robot that's walking around that says, "This is a Colony War Memorial." It's like there's a memorial in in uh, New in Jemison in New Atlantis to the Colony War, um, the Colony Wars. 
So like it's it like like, like you can see that elements of the this is this is like CIG. This is what I want in Star yeah. Citizen, please. You know? I want to touch history. I mean, you're yeah. a teacher, so like, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it brings a lot more. Like, it feels like real. And yeah, and it does. They really de- the way they develop this is like it feels authentic. And it's so um, much. It's so much better to experience it than to read it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, the eventually, but I'll say eventually, these two sides settled and uh, kind of p- created a peace treaty which became known as the Treaty of Narian. Um, and it's the place where the first official use of the settled systems uh, is used. Up to this point, the human space has been known as the settled systems kind of unofficially. But once these two great powers kind of settle, uh, you know, settle the war, they call the, they, they use the term settled systems, which becomes the official term for human space. Um, but uh, we also have the, the formation of the Freestar Rangers, which is kind of like the police force for the uh, Free, Freestar um, uh, Free Collective. But uh, the, in 2275, the uh, important, one of the most important factions is founded, which is Constellation, founded by a man by the name of Sebastian Banks, who we don't know anything about. Um, but he builds what he calls the Lodge in, um, in New Atlantis. Uh, it's a independent group that isn't associated with anyone, but it's dedicated to space exploration. Um, and he brings in scientists and philosophers, and it's kind of like the old explorers club of uh, of the kind of Victorian era, where you know these be people who are trying to challenge the the the, the universe. But it's much more quiet. Uh, it seems like from the uh, from what we've, we can tell from the lore that there really isn't a drive to explore space anymore because there's just so much BS <laughs> in space. Because since, since the colony, since that, that, uh, the, the, the war, the Narian war, there have been found the foundations of, um, you know, the cult of Varun, which is this, uh, we, uh, mysterious space cult that worships a great s- a snake. Um, there is random spacers who are kind of trying to do things. You've got the Crimson Fleet, which is kind of a confederacy of pirates that are trying to push themselves around. You've got um, the ecliptic mercenaries who are kind of going on their own, kind of like a rogue state almost at times. So there's there's uh, there's all these different groups which are vying for control and power over these systems that Constellation is kind of like this optimistic... Uh, kind of throwback to the heyday of human exploration where it's like, hey, we're here to explore the universe. And that is the main organization, which in the game you work for is Constellation. So so by this point, they've gotten to this phase where the excitement of spreading out has kind of worn off. Everybody is in this sort of attritious power struggle just to just to, to, to solidify their place over the next millennia for humanity. Yeah. And then you've got this group that's kind of like, remember why we came out here. Remember what we were doing. Like, let's continue to push forward and see what else there is to find. Exactly. And, um, uh, of course, while this is going on, <laughs> um, the peace is tentative, but um, the Freestar Collective sets up a farming operation on a planet called Vesta in Lunara. And the UC sees this as a violation of the terms of the treaty. 
and the colony wars begin in 2308. Um, uh, Gosh. Uh, when the UC shows up and it says on the, on the timeline, I quote, after the diplomatic talks stall, the UC besieges Vesta and kills all of its defenders uh, and those who came to try to defend it. And the colony war begins. So brutal conflict. We actually kind of see a little bit of that. Um, the uh, uh, In the animation, there's an animation where yeah. you see like a young girl or a young person, I should say. A young person is staring at a statue, which I believe is, uh, is I think it's supposed to be in Cheyenne, that, that's supposed to be Solomon Co. And uh, you kind of get a flashback of her parents or their parents who are uh, fighting in mechs. I lost my mind when I saw the mechs. I'm like, yes, mechs! <laughs> People love their mechs. Yeah. Um, I'm honestly, and- I, don't, I don't care that much about mechs, but I, I've definitely seen the... Uh, the cries out for mechs and i'm you know it's going to be a mod if it's not just some dlc at some point oh it's going to be a dlc i mean they they put it in the animation for a reason and it kind of it looks cool because it kind of looks like an upscaled version of the the unique robots that they have like like basco it's yeah like little spindly arms and like yeah they reminded me like a, a bit of the uh matrix revolution mechs yeah um and uh so like we kind of see that like how brutal the the colony war war, wars are uh but in the middle of all of this conflict constellation finds something they call it the artifact but all we know is that they find it and they immediately store it in their archives they don't really write about it they don't study it they just find it and throw it into an archive Mm. um and this is my theory, is that they saw this thing, which could potentially have great power, because these, the artifact is, we know from some of the other kind of videos that have come out, that it is likely of non-human creation, or at least it's not been made by anyone that they can think of in the settled systems. Oh, yeah. So you, you, you put yourself in the constellation shoes. You are a dedicated exploration society you find an artifact that's possibly alien origin and you're in the it's right in the middle of a brutal war if you tell anyone that you found an alien artifact that could have strange properties or powers you know you're going to be targeted by both sides of that conflict who are going to want to get that artifact because they want to have an advantage in the wars that's my theory at least is that they, they they realized that they were kind of in a bad situation so they threw it in their archives and said well We'll study this when the war ends so that we don't have to deal with like the, the political ramifications of all of this. Yeah. People come knocking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, the war finally ends in 2311 when uh, the Battle of Cheyenne occurs. Cheyenne's the capital of the Free Star Collective. The UC sends a massive fleet into, the, into there. Um, but the uh, Free Star Collective uses a combination of military ships and civilian militia to hit and run um, on the UC's main military fleets and end up destroying the fleet, or at least crippling it to the point where they couldn't actively fight, um, which effectively loses the war for the UC. Wow. So, yeah, they, they get beaten by a bunch of farmers with pitchforks. <laughs> um, Classic humanity. And this, this causes the, the war to, to end. Um, and at least it's 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 not a definitive defeat like the UC lost, but 
obviously no one really won in the end. Nothing really got solved. Uh, and that's the situation. It was in, um, in 2311. So that's about, we're about uh, 20 years after this conflict is when the game takes place. So the memory is still fresh, but it's also, there's still a tentative piece that both sides don't want to break because, you know, they had done that before with the, after the, uh, the, the Narian War and it didn't do well. <laughs> so they're like, both sides don't want to have to deal with the problem. Uh, but in the middle of all of this, you've got things like the Crimson Fleet, the Cult of Rune, all of these other factors were starting to cause problems, and both sides are trying, trying to figure out how to deal with them. Um, and uh, out of this battle, the UC decides that they need something to deal with the, sh with the problem, to deal with, uh, with the, how they lost. They, they studied in depth how they lost the war, and they come up with the idea that they need a civilian fleet of their own. So they create the UC Vanguard. And the UC Vanguard um, is a, a civilian navy. You volunteer for it, you sign up for it, you use your own ships for it, but you get paid for doing missions and jobs from, from the UC and you get called up to, to in times of conflict. Um, and it's at least mentioned in some of the material that the fastest way to get citizenship in the UC is to join the Vanguard. So uh, I think we have a situation where, you know, for those Star Citizen fans probably yeah. perked up their ears right there. Yeah. So service guarantees citizenship. Um, it, it's a very Heinlein-esque, like, you know, you guess you serve the government and they'll, they'll give you access, or they'll, they'll give you citizenship, which will give you different perks and stuff like that. I don't know if that's a factor in the game. That'd be cool if it is, where you could become a citizen and get perks and stuff like that. But Well, yeah, I mean, this is like a, this is a rich story and it happens in, in such close proximity that it, it all kind of matters. Like, mm -hmm. if you think back to 20 years ago, like we just had a, a, essentially a, a 20 year occupation, uh, not a, not a complete occupation, more of kind of a, a war, but, um, the conflict in Afghanistan, you know, if yeah. you think back to 20 years ago, that's still super fresh in people's mind. A lot of people still live on trauma that came from that event. So if you think about that expanded to the scale of like solar systems, then, you realize that there's a lot of opportunity for for missions for alliances for siding with different factions and maybe espionage all based around these ideas of the of the colony wars in addition to whatever constellation is doing in addition to whatever you want to do as a character yeah it's it's a it's a rich universe that that they've created to kind of really let you kind of play and the one thing that really feels good is that knowing that all of these places that I've just mentioned are in game and likely have locations. I'd love to go to Narian and find the original settlements of Narian to know where the Narian war started or the farm that started the war, the colony war in Vesta. In Vesta. That would be cool to find in game. And I know Bethesda well enough that they may actually have that in game as like a site where you can go visit and like raid and explore, or maybe even it's been protected so you can see it. Yeah. They have a colony war memorial. So it's like, why wouldn't they? And um, these are just the major events. There's probably a lot of other stuff sprinkled throughout in between. I mean, the game's not yeah. even out yet. And we were just talking about building IPs and building a foundation. I mean, there's, there seems to be a lot of opportunity for more lore to be built into this. Oh yeah. And I mean, the, 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 there's so many, like, like what, what I've seen is so little in terms of sprinkled out there 
that's available for us right now outside of the game that it's like it's hard to put it as like other than anything other than it's uh incredibly it's it is hinting that there's an incredible depth to the universe uh because i'm not even finished yet (laughs) with the timeline i'll try to go through a little bit faster but um we know that uh sarah morgan who's mentioned in the um in the uh, Starfield Direct trailer, who's the kind of the head of Constellation, the new head of Constellation, um, she was promoted to the she was a, she's a UC soldier, a soldier in the UC, and she was promoted to the head of a of a short lived program called the Navigator Corps. Um, but uh, in twenty three nineteen and twenty three twenty gets shut down, and that same year she joins Constellation. Um, various other members, the the Constellation's filled with like um, a um, a business owner by the name of Walter uh, Stroud. Uh, you've got an ex-Crimson free- Fleet pirate named Vladimir um, Saul. You've got a um, an ex-Free Star Ranger named Sam Coe, um, who's who's there. You've got a theologian. Wait, named, Sam uh, Coe. Sam Is he Coe. a relative? Possibly. Of of uh, of Solomon Co. Almost certainly, uh, possibly son or grandson, or you know, definitely part of the Co's because he's okay. from Free Star Collective. Cool. Um, we do know that the the um, the, the timeline says that um, Sam Co. and his daughter Cora Co. joined joined Constellation in twenty three twenty seven. So, um, and uh, a man who becomes. Uh, very important in the story because he shows up in all of the trailers <laughs> is um, but a man by the name of Barrett is actually the oldest, one of the oldest members of Constellation in the game that we can think of because he joined in 2305. So like well before the actual colony wars began, he joined Constellation. So um, we have the Constell- Constellation has um, uh began to kind of expand and it, they uh, purchase in 2328, they purchase a star station um, called L868. Um, and it's the, they modify it into what's called the eye, uh, which is a deep space um, scanner. Uh, I believe the, the, the eye is what we saw. If you remember the very first teaser trailer with that yeah. thing that was opening up, I think that's supposed to be the eye. Um, Knew that had so, to be significant. I mean, it, it yeah. had to be. Had to be, yeah. Um, so this all leads us up to 2330, which is the very beginning of uh, the game. Uh, so you, you kind of, um, the, the, the wiki says it's May 7th, 2330 is when the events of, of, of Starfield begin. So this is the universe that you wake up to. It's just after a major conflict. People are still trying to keep the peace. Everyone else wants to rip it apart. Constellations hunting for these weird artifacts. And you are there as an agent of chaos or change. Your choice. So, Man, and I mean, it's a Bethesda game. For those who have played, yeah. like, this is, a, this is the kind of game where these past games, they would have factions that you could actually go in, infiltrate for, for another faction, pretend to be all part of that faction, develop relationships, do missions, and then at the end, backstab them and like become the leader and shut it down or something. Like, it's... Bethesda goes very immersive with their RPGs, and 
this kind of background in a story where you're also going to be base building, you're going to be developing crews, you're going to have 20, 20 people that you can go out and, and run missions with. Um, man, that's a lot. Romance partners, yeah. like, you know, uh, the biggest, the, the like, mat, like at least three major cities that you can explore so and that's uh, that's actually that's a another good point is that we have settled space right and we have apparently a few different central systems where people are but they've also said there are when 900 a thousand planets amongst mm -hmm. you know dozens of different star systems that's probably a lot of opportunity to meet even smaller factions or like little little mom and pop shops on on some planet that's been abandoned uh, what one off uh, one off fun storytelling ideas that they can do like right. you know um not to mention you know research laboratories old outposts homesteads farms there's just so much opportunity um and for people who don't know the way that they do that is i think there's a handful of planets which are um handmade and have like perfect like placed um specifically placed uh uh like leveled or not leveled but a specific like locations which you can explore and uh the rest of it like most of it is uh is just procedurally generated so as you go to a planet say there's a planet um just come up with the name uh, planet bob in 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 the uh the star system of yes so you go to the yes star system and you go to the planet bob when you land on the planet bob the planet bob in on the in the yes system is going to be completely different from you than it is for me because that is generated on the fly. Once you land there, it's generated and when you leave and you come back, it'll be good. It'll be that the same thing, but you may land in the same planet and it's almost entirely different from your experience because those are designed to be their, their kind of radial quests, right? Um, the new, the new radiant, radiant quest system. So what do you, how do you think those are going to, I mean, radiant quests, radiant NPCs, this is, or radiant AI, those are like some pretty big systems um, for Bethesda. How do you think that's going to complicate Starfield as opposed to another game like like Skyrim? Do you think it'll be any different because it's in space and more expansive, or kind of pretty similar experience? I, I'm I'm I have high hopes. I have high hopes for it to being a a new take on that system. They seem to be really really excited about that system. I think we're going to see a, a very expansive new way that Bethesda is doing their AI. I'm not going to say it's going to be world standard, but people still talk about how in Oblivion and in Skyrim, they have like each NPC has their own schedule. So, you know, you'll know where they are depending on where they go. Um, I think that's old hat for, for Bethesda. They, they know how to do that. Right. And I think we're going to see the next evolution of that. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think, I think we're in for a treat for that one. So. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I, I do love a good AI system. I feel like that's what really makes an RPG. Like you were saying, you know, that's what sets one apart when you can go up to different AI, get a different sense of not just that character, but their background, you know, what's going on in the area around them. How is the work life in that area? How is the city that they're in? How is their government? That kind of stuff really separates um, a good experience from a kind of cookie cutter one. But mm -hmm. speaking of governments and factions, we have the UC, right? United Colonies, Freestar Collective. Crimson Fleet is kind of like this sort of 
band of pirate gangs, as you said, um, and then maybe some other factions scattered throughout. Do you think that they are purposefully trying to make this obscure in that there's not a good or bad guy? Or do you think they're trying to lay out the UC as sort of the overreaching bad guy and the Freestar Collective as like the good team? It's hard to tell because like the timeline reads like the UC are a bunch of jerks. <laughs> like, hey, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think, I think what we're going to see is that the UC is well-meaning, but probably more imperialist almost. Um, I, I think what, what really Bethesda is trying to, to strike a balance for is um, like the, a lot of their inspiration for how they want to tell the story seems to obviously come from Fallout New Vegas, with Obsidian's kind of Fallout New Vegas, because you've got Neon, which is... New Vegas from 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 Fallout New Vegas, uh, but then you've got you know um, New Atlantis, which is this kind of big metropolitan area, and you've got uh, Aquila City, um, which is this kind of Wild West town. So you've got these different vibes that they're trying to, to to strike, but they're also trying to make them different. Like like obviously, the Freestar Collective is all about more personal individual rights and your own kind of getting your stuff done. That's kind of, yeah. that's kind of the vibe they're trying to go for. But um, they also have the Rangers, which are seem, my guess would be entirely out overstretched, don't have enough budget to do what they need to do. So there's law lawlessness everywhere. Like we know, for instance, that the Crimson fleet has basically been acting without any kind of stops. They're just, they're just going rough shot over the Freestar collective space. They, they're not keeping them in, 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 uh, in, in check. But the UC is, because the UC is spending money on military, on, the, on fleets. They're, they're using the Vanguard. Like They've got these systems set up specifically to check those sorts of activities. So the UC is safer, in, 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 it seems like, but they're also more controlling, more dubious and devious. They have more of that kind of like, we're going to get what we want. Right. Whereas, you know, you're more free in the Freestar Collective. You're also more at, at risk. You're more right. in danger. Yeah. So I think, I think that's really trying to, to strike a balance of there's no real good guy, but if they do it right, all, someone will always have their good guy and it will be completely different depending on your own pers personal opinions on what is good. Yeah. So. Which is nice. It's, it's a nice way to do it. I mean, that sort of nebulous quality is it's it allows you to experience a story in different ways without feeling like you are an evil person some people don't want to be mean but they want mm -hmm. to still play for the quote-unquote bad side like uh mm -hmm. my wife's been playing red dead redemption 2 and and she she was like she started the game out in one way and then realized that there's like oh there's just a leaning scale basically that defines kind of my experience and what the game thinks of me so i'll start to act in another way and it's it's nice to get into a game where you can do all sorts of things and still come out with more of like a diverse web of experiences as opposed to just like a, a single good guy storyline. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the only thing I'm a little wary about in when it comes to the storytelling and gameplay aspects is um, the Bethesda kind of everything can be done thing. Um, like, the classic Skyrim or Elder Scrolls thing where you can be like the head of the mages guild, the head of yeah. the fighters guild, the head of the thieves guild, the head of the, the, you know, um, the, the assassins guild. Like 
you can you're the head of every single major organization in the region it's like yeah and, and it doesn't conflict with the fact that you're also uh you know opposing organization like yeah. you, you're you're a lord of you're a thane of skyrim but you're also the head of the thieves guild and the assassins guild it's like no one's questioning this i mean you're just you're big like, government man you're 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 illuminati <laughs> yeah you make it you make it rain and uh control uh, the weather yeah <laughs> heart heart uh <laughs> but um <coughs> that that's that's the like like I'm a little concerned that you can be best friends with the Free Star Collective and best friends with the UC and best friends with the Crimson Fleet, and it's like oh yeah, it's like you're you're the 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 the, the chief captain of the Crimson Fleet and uh, leader of the UC Vanguard and the uh, the head ranger of the Free Star Rangers. It's like that would yeah happen. that's not gonna that's that's what I'm fearing. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what I'm I'm afraid of. So I'm hoping that they have something similar to like the reputation system in Star Citizen, which is still being built. In which like mm -hmm. if you are friends with one group, obvious it, it very much affects the way that another group might uh, encounter you. But I also then hope that it's not just like you automatically get favor with this group, which means you automatically lose favor with the other group. Because like I was saying earlier, you want to be able to be undercover. You don't want them to know everything that you've done on another planet just because you've done it and the game knows, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's really deep in the lore. Um, I am excited to see how this plays out, especially with these different factions. Honestly, when it comes to an RPG, we've come back to this a couple times now throughout the show. Building a differing experience in the places that you go and the people that you meet and the things that you do is the most important part of an RPG for a lot of people. And you might take a, a an RPG like uh, New Vegas, like you've been saying, Skyrim, or we could take something newer, say... Uh, Elden Ring, maybe. I guess, I don't know if mm -hmm. Elden Ring counts as an RPG, but generally... Kinda. You split the areas, you split the experiences. Space feels like it would give them a, a larger ability to do that, right? More space, you have separate planets, you can go even further than if somebody was just playing on a continent and they were going to different cities. Do you think that'll add to the experience? Like, the actual idea of going to space, do you think that will fundamentally change how the game feels compared to something like Skyrim with just oh, yeah. different skitties? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I just, the, like, I actually was lamenting about this on my, uh, on, on the, the office hours the other day, which was, um, fantasy is a dime a dozen. Everyone does a fantasy. Like, the, every, like you could, there's, it's almost cheat code where like, where if you're doing a fantasy story, uh, if, if I say elf, there's an elf in the room yeah, in a fantasy story, you probably know what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't have to describe what an elf is, you know, what, what a dwarf is, what an orc is. So it's so much easier to kind of tell those stories. But as a result, it's kind of samey. Uh, it's one of the reasons why you have like a billion different Skyrim clones out there of people trying to do that Skyrim thing. And, um, and it's why it's so hard for those to stick out. It's like, you know, it's one of the reasons why, like, say, The Witcher really stuck out, stuck out to people because it's really well made, but it's also a universe that's not filled with, you know, elves and dwarves and, you know, they exist and they're there, but they're not like the, the main focus, you know, what's a witcher or what's what all these different universes, like it, it kind of expands it out and does something a little different with, from, uh, with 
that sort of fantasy trope style. Yeah. And the sci-fi doesn't have that. So as a result, it's less popular because it's people can't lean on those tropes a little bit more, even like audiences. But it also means it's got a lot more freedom. And the idea of like people people derisively calling this Skyrim in space, like that's that's a good idea. Like no one's tried that. <laughs> no one's tried Skyrim in space, so why not? Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that that alone will make it stand out for from its like fantasy counterparts. So it really, man, it's like I have skipped so many games over the last few years that were that that got a lot of attention just because they they didn't have that sci-fi setting. And I feel like there's so much potential for making making the 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 template for a good sci-fi game, like you're saying, fantasy games. Elves, dwarves, orcs, uh, magic, swords, bow and arrow. Like, yeah, we have some idea of the sci-fi stuff. I mean, I'm not saying that we haven't dove into sci-fi hardcore, like you said, in the 90s with things yeah. like Star Trek and, and other IPs getting really big. They set the stage. But in terms of games, it seems like there's so much that you could do. I mean, we compare this to Mass Effect. Mass Effect and Starfield are pretty different games from what, like, in terms of what they went for the experience. Mass Effect is, I would say, that was like an opera, like, like a space oh, opera. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this feels a lot more like a craft your own story kind of thing. Yeah. This feels, uh, Star Starfield seems to be more like a throwback to the old school, like Morrowind, Oblivion style games. Like, ironically, things like, Neverwinter Nights or Baldur's Gate 1, where you're playing a character in a universe that you just happen to be, you know, controlling. And there's a story and you kind of play that, but you don't have to. Um, whereas like Skyrim was much more of a smaller experience. It was more focused um, and it was less focused on the role playing aspect and more of the power fantasy aspect. Um, so. The. Um, uh, the, the way this, this seems to play is, is like Mass Effect was a space opera where you're being tossed around the universe and saving the uh, saving saving the universe and you know stopping the inter interstellar you know uh, uh, Cthulhu esque monsters coming to destroy <laughs> the universe uh, and, and Starfield doesn't feel like that's the main focus of the story it feels more like you are a person in a spaceship who is on a is on a mission but it's not the end of the world you yeah. know you're not you're not running around to stop the reapers you just there's an artifact man go find some artifacts yeah Hang out yeah maybe, it, maybe it, some flowers you know it feels more like you're a, a chess piece on the board and, and obviously mm -hmm. there's some level of oh you're special you're gonna save us all going on yeah. but like you said you know with all this lore that we've been going over it, there's there's a lot of complication and a lot of focus on, I guess, kind of the political and, and military upheaval between different factions than there was with Mass Effect, which, like you said, is Cthulhu-esque. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, and just alone, like that alone, like people, no one says Star Trek and Star Wars are the same, right? You know, you, you can tell the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but people will confuse references of Lord of the Rings and you t take Dumbledore and you take, um, uh, you know, Gandalf 
and say which to somebody who doesn't know those two franchises and say which one is which, I I can almost guarantee you no one will know. <laughs> like people will just be like, they're wizards with white beards and tats. I I don't know. Just be like, <laughs> like Dumbledore was that guy that was obsessed with the ring, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. But then you know you take John Luke Picard and Luke Skywalker. And you say, you know, which one of these is Star Wars and Star Trek? People will be like, you know, even if they don't know it, they'll know like, oh, these are two different franchises. It's going to probably be, of a, be more of a like, oh, well, that's Luke Skywalker because he's got his laser sword. Or that's Jean-Luc Picard because he's bald and has the funny uniform or whatever. <laughs> like, like there's, there's unique styles that can kind of bleed through a lot more with science fiction. And like the, the, with Starfield specifically, they talk about the NASA punk aesthetic. Like that alone makes like the high the high um uh science fiction kind of uh with like particle accelerator blasters and sleek form-fitting sexy armor um of mass effect versus the like you're in a clunky spacesuit that looks like it came straight out of a almost diesel punk you know <laughs> universe yeah. yeah um uh you know shooting ballistic guns that look like they're taped together with with uh with metal plastics and uh wiring from you know fans from uh, computer like computer fans like that very different aesthetic and that alone makes the game stand out differently let alone their stories and all these other things and you know Absolutely. that's the advantage that something that starfield's gonna have going forward and i think other games if they want to come hopefully we get the skyrim or the skyrim effect with starfield the starfield effect where more people are trying to do things like that but yeah uh, um yeah i I actually was hoping that was what was going to happen with Cyberpunk. And mm -hmm. to some extent, I think it had a little bit of an effect. But because of the launch of Cyberpunk, I think it really missed the ability to create a new wave of like, I honestly, I thought Cyberpunk comes out, Cyberpunk 2077 comes out. We, and it does well, we would see the announcement of a new Deus Ex within a couple of years. But I, I think for whatever reason, um, it it what didn't quite have that that power that draw and i'm really hoping that starfield does for space games i'm 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 gonna be optimistic and have my optimism i'm i'm getting i've got my hopium i'm just inhaling it i think if uh we if starfield does well and if cig manages to release squadron 42 with uh but either by next year or the year after next i think especially if they release it next year that would be such a big one-two punch to the industry because you've got Starfield, this space RPG, which is very set up in these, uh, like NASA, NASA punk aesthetic and people are enjoying it in the mods. And you have a game like Squadron Bay 2 with its just redonkulous star power and like the focus on being cinematic. And it's, 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 you start, you'll start to see more people being like, oh, wow, there's money and interest in this sort of, this sort of genre. And you can just go crazy with it. Like, you don't have to be, it doesn't have to, like, okay, do we have enough, you know, elf, elf boobies? Uh, do we, do we have enough, <laughs> like, uh, you know, is the magic system, you know, uh, craftable? Are we, are we hitting our quotas that we need to hit to get, get the attention of people we want to get? You can just go off the wall nuts with, uh, with, with, with science fiction and, and space stuff because it can be whatever you want. Yeah. Um, and, and there's also the, the kind of lurking in the background. We know that there's another mass effect in development. Now, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what 
Bioware is going to manage to do with the IP. Obviously, the Bioware of now is not the Bioware of the first trilogy. Um, but with that, with we know Star Wars Eclipse is in the, the distant future. Like there is some real potential for for this genre to start getting some big legs again. And then we've got also got like uh, real time strategy games like Homeworld. Um, and Falling Frontier that are both attracting a lot of attention. I, I think, yeah, things could be good kicking off with Starfield this year. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot that could be going to be happening. And, and it's exciting to be at this time period. It's as, as uh, Jake Acapella likes to say, or Jake Bradley always likes to say, it's never been a better time to be a gamer. And I think it's never been a better, a better time to be a, a space gamer. Uh, interested in Definitely space a space nerd overall. I mean, look at the oh, TV yeah. shows we're starting to get now. Star Trek is back in its prime. I actually don't know that for sure since I don't watch it, but people talk <laughs> a lot about Star Trek now. Yeah. Star Wars is, is having some struggles, but I think they're putting out some very good stuff with like Andor People seem to be excited about Ahsoka coming out. We've got some interesting new games that they're developing, and the IP is no longer stuck with a single company anymore. Um, Foundation is looking good on Apple TV. Obviously, space exploration is back up and running. People are excited to see rockets go into space again. It's just nice to be into space right now. Yeah, just it's good to be space. Good it to is. Be a space nerd. <laughs> to finish things up. Um, Star or God, I almost said stars. Starfield has a lot of different interesting features that have been developing in their engine for over a decade. Get crafting, weapon upgrades, and and stuff. Skill progressions, um, developing relationships, base building was like a big one that they started out with Fallout Four and kind of made better with Seventy Six, and now it feels like they're really expanding it with Starfield. There's a lot of really, really hard-hitting things that can draw people into this game. Do you think there's anything you haven't seen yet that feels like it has a place in Starfield, but we don't know if it's there for sure or not? I mean, I know things that, are, that have a place in Starfield that we haven't seen yet, which aren't going to be in the game, but almost, I almost, I kind of 100% believe will be in a expansion, which is vehicles. Mechs, you know, driving vehicles, something like that, and and like dealing with like AI in those vehicles and kind of messing around with you. And um, I think uh, possibly I could I could also see well, it, just in general, I think um, we were talking about this a little before with the idea of like reputation, where like what you do matters in in game, and hopefully to have some barriers, so you're not just being able to be everything. Like you can. If you're helping out the UC, you're going to be burning your bridges with the other, um, the other, other factions and stuff like that. Um, and I think that will add a lot more gameplay, a lot more decision making, where people and also like replayability because people will be. Uh, I, I watch a lot of um, um, Bethesda content creators who will do various different attempts, like they'll do different challenge runs for things. And it's always fun to watch them like decide which faction they're going to side with at any, any of the games. And th that sort of thing, I think, can, can definitely happen in, uh, uh, in Starfield to kind of like really bring it out more with the whole, like, who are you choosing? How is that going to affect you? That sort of thing. So, Yeah, I hope we see vehicles at some point. I think, I I'm hoping that, 
the lack of vehicles isn't an engine limitation. We know that the creation engine has had trouble. Sorry. Oh, I think we lost him again. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll keep going. Um, I, I do hope that the, the engine isn't a limiting factor in vehicles because we do know that um, one of the things that used to get pointed out with the creation engine before were ladders. And uh, ladders are a... <laughs> that was a funny point. We do know that ladders are in Starfield, but there is something to be said about being able to move across planets quickly um and how those planets would load in and i'm just hoping that the creation engine isn't something that would keep vehicles from being in the game i do hope that's something that we see in the future at some point for exploration purposes and whatnot yeah oh yeah uh and I, the other thing I, I said before we went all wonky there a moment was uh um also like the replayability of the game yeah because Bethesda's always had a, a level of replayability. So like whose side are you going to side on for which which run you're going to do? Um, but I think the level of options that you could do and the level of the like where you could go are so high. And I think this is one of those few games where I don't think you'll be able to play every part of the game in every single run through. There is an infinite number of comp, uh, combinations. But on top of that, it's not going to be one of those games where like, oh, well, I have to get all the achievements. So I have to kind of like grind my way through. It's like, no, you, you'll have fun doing those sorts of things. And everyone's experience will be unique and different, which is very cool, especially with the procedurally generated planets, um, you know, depending on where you go. That's that's a very unique aspect. I think that aspect is something that should be highlighted pretty, pretty, uh, pretty well for those sort of things. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's going to be a very exciting part of this game. All right. Astro Historian, thank you so much for joining me for this talk through. That was a, uh, we got the lore done. I'm, I'm yes. even more excited after this now than I was before because I didn't realize how much depth and how many little pockets of opportunity were placed throughout the game based on the lore and the setting and, and all of that stuff. So, yeah, there's, good and there's, thing. There's, there's probably a dozen, if not, you know, a hundred different smaller factions that exist in this lore as well. So, right. It's a it's a good thing I was already at danger of overhype because now it's uh <laughs> I got to keep it in check. I do really hope that I'm I'm uh well yeah, I'm excited for this. Uh I don't know about you, but I'm going to be playing this nonstop in in September and probably throughout the rest of the year alongside obviously my other stuff, my other content, but I'm really looking forward to this game. We've been waiting for a big sci-fi space RPG for a while. And this one seems to be coming at the perfect time. Thanks again for joining me for this one, Historian. Uh, could you let the people know where they can find your content for Starfield and other games going forward before we sign off? Uh, Twitch.tv slash The Astro Pub, YouTube.com slash The Astro Pub, and YouTube.com slash The Astro Historian. In fact, I'm going to be doing a um, Starfield timeline, kind of a full kind of condensed thing this weekend if I can try to. Um, if I need sleep and work is kicking my butt but it'll be out soon so check that out for that well thank you for spending a, a, a late night talking about starfield on this podcast the time difference is crazy folks i'm in turkey he's in texas it is it, it is early morning for me it is late at night for him i guess it's now early morning for him early as well for me too yeah. so i'm gonna let you go thanks again go check out his content uh we will have more starfield episodes probably in the future and more content coming out from both of us about the game 
Hope you enjoyed this one, folks. And I'll catch you all next week. Mm -hmm.